Any question for you? What is this? Christy, don't anyone else answer? What is it, Christy? Carrie? Oh, 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 don't say anything too loud. Joel? Josh, sorry? I'm not even going to give it to Bill Morris. What, what is this? Hmm? Somebody say it out loud. What? It's, a it's an offering plate. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Somebody said it's for shooting. Why would you think that, you destructive, violent people? Yes, it's for shooting. Skeet shooting, to be exact. It's, it's, it's sometimes called a clay pigeon, which my boys sort of said, what? There's nothing about this that reminds me of a pigeon. Until it gets blown, yeah. Until it gets blown out of the sky, exactly. Well, on Monday night, a few of us went out skeet shooting. I got a few pictures from the guys. Let me show you a couple pictures. There you go. So, I love it. There's Malcolm coaching his son Tabor on the 12 gauge shotgun. Jody in the background, ready for the pull signal to send the clay pigeon flying into the air and then attempt to to blast it away. How about another picture? Another one, Jack? Yeah. There's Malcolm. Excellent. Next one. There's my cat set. Yes. He went and worked off some of his counseling angst. You can see the smoke coming out of the barrel there. And then this last one, I think, is probably one of my favorite shots. It's, it's Morgan helping, helping Brody. It's the f- father coaching, coaching the son on, well, how to shoot things, of course. It was a pile of fun. But I want to ask you a question. How much fun would it have been with no clay pigeons to shoot at. How much fun would it have been out there without any kind of target to aim at? And we might have had fun being together. There would have been some laughs. We would have made some noise. We would have felt the power of the gun. and We would have just sort of blasted up the night sky. I was thinking about all those poor guys that were out in that neck of the woods trying to like scout out something to really shoot. And then along come a bunch of redneck hooligans and start blasting away in the sky and... They had to go somewhere else, I guess. So, how, mu- how much fun would it have been to shoot at nothing? We might have had some fun, but what a difference it made to have this flying through the air, even if we did miss it most of the time. Uh, how, how much fun... It, it made such a difference when there was something for us to aim at, right? Well, today, we want to spend some time talking about our vision as a church, or you could say what we are aiming at as a congregation. We're starting off the fall, you know, kind of getting our minds wrapped back around, yes, church and life. and There's a lot going on in September, I know, but we take an opportunity a couple times a year just to kind of recalibrate, to kind of remind ourselves or refresh ourselves, or maybe if you're here for the first time, you find out, kind of, what are we all about? What are we aiming at as a church? It's so easy as a church to kind of get used to getting together having a good time. And it's great. It's fun. We love it. But in the midst of all that, we can forget our aim. We can forget what our target is. We can forget what we're aiming at. And so we take a few moments, a couple times a year, just to to really drill down and focus on that as a community. One of the best ways we can do that is by asking a simple question. The question of why. Now, in your bulletins, in your little programs, 
they're, they're, it's actually clipped to the little invitation to Alpha, which is just a second reminder to use it, but they're not, they're not necessarily connected. If you're wondering if you're supposed to give this to your friend, well, you could, but that's not what it's there for. So I invite you to pull it out. We're gonna, why is one of the most powerful questions we can ask? We know that when kids are growing up, that's how they learn things, right? By asking why. Sometimes frustratingly so, right? Because, let's be honest, if they start asking science questions to me, my why, well, begins to dry up. I feel like uh, the Calvin's dad and Calvin and Hobbes begins to just make up wild ideas as to why this or that happens scientifically. But, but the why question can enable people to finally understand things, right? Why is such a powerful question for us personally as a community? Sometimes when you're working with a team, and you're, you're, you get really into it, and, and you're, you're, you've got lots of complex things going on. Sometimes it's easy to lose sight of what you're doing, right? And then somebody finally goes, oh, whoa, 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 why are we doing this again? Oh, right. It's because this is our goal, and it helps kind of refocus all of our energy and, 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 and I'll reinvigorate what we're doing when we understand why. When we understand why, we can endure tremendous amounts of difficulty. We can persevere when things are tough, when we know why we're doing it. Sometimes when we're confused, or sometimes when uh, we don't even know how to contribute to something, when we can ask the question why, or we can talk about why are we doing this? You know, why are we doing this as a church? Or why are we doing this as a family? Or why am I doing this to myself? We can ask those kind of questions and it helps clear away all the confusion and all the fuzz and all the difficulty and go, okay, now I remember. This is what we're doing. When we ask why, sometimes we're able to then understand how we can contribute. That we're not just, you know, asked to fill a slot. Like, for example, here at church and the ministries here, we're not asked to just fill a slot or punch a clock, but rather when we know why we're doing something, then we understand how the gifts God has given us can contribute to what God has called us to do. So the power of the question why is important. If you're new to the Erickson Covenant Church, maybe you're new to church just in general and you're just not even too sure about the whole church thing, this is a great Sunday to be here because it kind of clarifies who, we're, who we are, what we're all about by asking the question why. If you call the Erickson Covenant Church home or, or you've been around for a while, this is a great reminder for us as we together serve. And maybe as you're considering, as I know all of you are, asking the question, how can I serve this year? All of you are asking the question, Right? Every single one of you came this morning asking, how am I going to serve this year in the Erickson Covenant Church? Okay, well, that was slightly divergent there, sorry. Um, as you ask that question, the why helps provide clarity and insight into how exactly you're going to answer that. So on that little cue card, we're going to make this personal for a moment. Pull this out. And... Um, Maybe you only got one bullet, in this, but, you know, it'll work. Pull it out. And I want to ask you, first of all, maybe you got a pen. I think Terry put some extra pens in the, in the pews in front of you. I want you to, first of all, ask, and here, I'm going to give a little caveat here. Do not, do not write down the right answer. I want you to be honest for a second. Why are you here today? Like, why did you come? Why did you get out of bed and come here into this building this morning, September the <clears throat> 14th, 2014, well, uh, no, uh, write it down on the paper. Why are you here this morning? Write it down. The honest answer. Maybe you came because, you know, it's just tradition. It's just my habit. I just come. Maybe you came because you would have felt guilty sleeping in. 
Maybe you came because you had already agreed with Joanne or you already agreed with someone else to do something and so you really knew you had to show up even though you kind of drug yourself, drug yourself out. Maybe, maybe you came here this morning because you were excited to learn about God. Maybe you came here this morning because you missed your brothers and sisters. You missed the people that gather here and you were excited to see them. Maybe you came this morning because you heard the coffee was awesome. And it is. But you know, whatever reason it is, write it down. Why are you here today? Maybe you're here today because you're lonely. And this is, a, this is a, maybe one of the few points of connection you have with other people during the week. I don't know what your story is, but why are you here today? Jot it down. Now, I want to expand the question a little bit. If you consider this church your home church, now if you're visiting here today, you're a guest here today, you're kind of, maybe you can kind of be exempt from this question for a moment. I'll let you off the hook. But the rest of you, if you call this church home, why? Like, why? Why is this your church? Why did you choose to come here? Why do you continue to to connect with this body? Why is the Erickson Covenant Church your church? Home church. Write that down. Jot it down. Not all of you are jotting, I realize. You're just jotting in your mind. That's okay too, but jot it down. Why is this church your church home? You got that? You've written it down? You're holding it in your mind? Okay. And now, sort of the final of the three questions here. Why do you think this church exists? Why does the Erickson Church, why does the Erickson Covenant Church exist? Why are we here? Write that down. So why did you come this morning? Why do you call this church home? And why do you think this church exists? I'll give you a moment to finish that. Why is a powerful question? I want you to take a look at your answers. Scroll through them in your mind. Look at what you jotted down. Do you, when you look at your answers, do you see any connections? Do you see anything that links them together? The answers that you gave. Or is there a disconnect? Is there a disconnect between the three answers that you gave? I would encourage you to look at those why answers that you put down and to think about the disconnect, the connect, and what it means for you personally, particularly as we walk on through this message today. Because for a few moments, I do want us to explore this last question of why the Erickson Covenant Church exists. Why we are here. To start us off, I want to read from Ephesians chapter 2, pretty famous, pretty well-known passage of Scripture. I want to focus in on the last couple of verses, but I want to start back in verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2. Listen to this. Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. God did this for us. It is by grace you've been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is all about this God who is rich in mercy pouring out His grace into our lives. And what a difference that's made. And then He goes on. I think it will be on the screen. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This work that God has done in Jesus, this grace that He's shown in our lives and has transformed our lives, isn't something that we earned or we worked or we set ourselves upright or we somehow did it all, but rather something that God did all for us. This God who is rich in mercy, expressing His kindness to us in Jesus, so that we don't sit back and go, wow, am I ever awesome? God loves me. It's rather, wow, is God ever awesome? He loves me. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I thought one way of summarizing these few verses would be like this, that Jesus' good work in us creates in us His good work for others. You hear that? A bit of a tongue twister, I realize. God's, Jesus' good work in us, that's this grace that He's poured into our lives, creates in us His good work for others. At the Erickson Covenant Church, I believe that we are becoming a people who are more grateful for the grace of God every day. That as we share together, as we pray together, as we come to know more intimately this Jesus who has loved us, that it's shaping us as a culture, it's shaping us as a people, it's shaping our conversations, it's, it's shaping the way that we serve, that we don't serve because we feel guilty, we're, we're under some kind of weird compulsion, we don't serve because if I don't, you know, if I don't serve somehow, Jesus is gonna, you know, smack me down, or, or I've gotta earn it, or I've gotta earn God's favor, I've gotta do something to please Him. Rather, We've been transformed by this grace that God has shown to us. So that grace is like the air in our lungs and the soil beneath our feet. It's the vision that fills our eyes, this grace of God. It's the very foundation of who we are. The foundation of our culture. The foundation of our church. That's the, the, the good work that Jesus is doing in us. But this good work, this grace that is shaping and changing us, this kindness that God has expressed to us in Jesus, it leads us to a purpose. It leads us to the aim, the target. It shows us what this is all about, this grace that God has poured into our lives. Because it's through this inspiring, invigorating grace that we come to understand why we've been created. We understand why we've been given the Holy Spirit. We under, come to finally see why the Holy Spirit has given each one of us unique gifts. Why He's made us one body in Christ. Why we've been created to live life together and to pursue the mission together. It's through God's grace that we come to see why we as a church exist. Jesus created us for a purpose-filled life and we have been transformed for a reason. I think we were created to join Jesus in His good work. This good work that was given to Jesus by the Father. This good work of reconciling the whole world, men, women, children, all of creation, back to Himself. Which expresses itself on a daily level in the good work that you and I do of loving one another in the name of Jesus. Of forgiving 
each other, of serving both each other and our neighbors and our valley. The good work of sharing our lives and our hearts and our food and our money, sharing our families. The good work of pointing people toward hope and toward life, toward Jesus. This is the the, the good work as Jesus does it in us, is birthed into good work that he is doing in other people. Another verse of Scripture that is quite familiar is the verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 about being new creations. You know how if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And it talks about how Jesus, in this work of reconciliation, of, of bringing everything back into relationship with God, He has called us to join Him in that. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. And then He uses this image of an ambassador. I think it will be on the screen as well. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You know what ambassador is, right? They speak on behalf of one kingdom or one government to another, to another people. They represent them. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. When we speak, God is speaking through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This good work of grace that Jesus is doing in us, that He has done in us, that He's continuing to do in us, invites us into His continuing good work of seeing men and women and children, of seeing all of His creation brought back into right relationship with God. It gives incredible honor, incredible weight, incredible responsibility, but also incredible joy and privilege to each one of our lives. Whatever place we're in, wherever we're at relationally, wherever we're at in our work, wherever we're at, God has said, join me in the work that I'm doing. Let me speak through you. Let me do something through you that I've been doing from the time I sent Jesus to now and into the future of calling all of creation back into relationship with me. Over this last year, we've kind of been working with a vision statement that captures this. It's something simpler that we can grab a hold of. At the Erickson Covenant Church, we're committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. At the Erickson Covenant Church, we're committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. That This is the target we're aiming at. This is, this is when we pull out our guns and start blasting away. That's what we're trying to hit. The purpose, the reason why we gather, the reason why we are, we are here today, the reason why we gather in small groups, there's a, there's a purpose that God has given us. And we're not just getting together for a good time. That we're not just blasting away to make noise without a purpose. But that we're committed as a community. That we're committed as individuals. We're committed as families. We're committed as the Erickson Covenant Church to help people find and follow Jesus. We know what difference Jesus has made in our lives. We know the grace that has been shown to us. And so compelled by that love of Jesus, we implore others to follow Jesus as well. To join us as we follow Jesus. Now, I thought it would be helpful to get practical, to break it down for a moment. So I want to I kind of rattle through, I already rattled the bed, I guess. I want to rattle through some of the ways that we do this as a community, but I'm going to ask you for other ways that I've missed. So, you know, that's how you, that's how you cheat as a pastor when you're preaching. You think of what you can think and then think, I'll just open it up to Q&A and see if anyone will catch what I missed. 
Okay, not really. But I do want, I do want to you know, know how uh, ways that you've seen this happening in our community that, that, I haven't, that I haven't brought out. So some of the ways that I believe that we, as the Erickson Covenant Church, are helping people find Jesus starts right with you and your daily witness. That as the Erickson Covenant Church, those of you who are part of this body, as you scatter throughout the week, as you're involved in your neighbor's lives, in your kids' lives, as you're involved in work and recreation and a local club, as you're, as you're involved in your work, that you are providing this daily witness to Jesus with your life and with your words. We've talked before how we really need those two things to line up. But we need there to be those, that verbal witness, that together we are providing this daily witness right in the fabric of our lives, pointing people to Jesus, helping people find Jesus. And there's a challenge for all of us, because for some of us, that's a very intimidating thing. We're shy about it, or it challenges us, or we aren't sure how to do it. But I also know that it's beginning to happen more and more. I'm beginning to see it happen. I'm beginning to hear it. As people take that brave step of asking their friend, what do you think about Jesus? Like we talked about last week. Or they begin to step into someone's life and say, can I pray for you? So your daily witness, our daily witness, the key way that I believe that we as the Erickson Covenant Church are helping people find Jesus is right in your life. In your day in and day out, witness of Jesus Related to that is uh, one of the key ways I believe we're helping people find Jesus is our prayer for our neighbors and our friends and our family. But we recognize that people often can't see Jesus because there's spiritual forces that blind them, there's habits, there's, there's addictions, there's things in the way. And so we pray, we commit to pray for them regularly. We actually make lists with people's names on it, you know? And we pray for our friends, we pray for that person we work with, we pray for that person in our lives that we think... They are never going to follow Jesus. It's impossible. We put them on the list and we begin to pray for them. And that is critical to people finding Jesus. That we as a community are committed to praying for them. Makes a huge difference. I would venture to say that most of you here today who have found Jesus, there's been someone who prayed for you. Getting down to some of the particular things we do even in terms of programming, I really believe that one of the ways we're helping people find Jesus is that we're loving Creston Valley families through our children's ministry. That's critical. It's happening right now. It's happening uh, throughout the week. It's, it's happen- it happens at different times throughout the year. That It's critical that we help people find Jesus by reaching into their families, by loving their families. And that's something we're committed to. And I believe it's one of, the, one of the key ways, not only as we work with our actual kids, helping them find Jesus, helping them understand how much Jesus loves them, but also as we reach into the community and as we invite friends and family to come and experience what Jesus has for them. I believe that we're helping people find Jesus by creating right here in our Sunday morning an experience where it's comfortable enough to bring someone from your work, from your school, to come and join you. And, 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 and at some point you think, I think I can invite my friend and it's not going to be too weird. Right? I think I'm going to invite my friend and the pastor's not going to say something offensive. I've had that fear. Uh, you know, bringing someone to church and just really wondering, how much am I going to cringe through this? 
or, or how much am I going to have to explain? Or how much am I... That we are committed as a church to moving toward creating an experience where yes, we worship God and yes, we are challenged and yes, we pray. I mean, we're Christians for crying out loud. But also that we're creating a kind of experience where you can bring someone with you who's not so familiar and they're not going to feel totally, totally like they're not welcome. They're not going to feel like, boy, I, I just did not belong here. Fish out of water. But rather they're going to feel welcomed. They feel like some things were explained and, and, and the coffee was good. You know, that kind of thing. I keep coming back to the coffee, but you know what I'm saying. We're committed to creating that kind of experience. Some of the other ways that are maybe more obvious is some of the bridge building events that we have. The Pickers Lunch in August is a way that we take that step to build a bridge to helping people find Jesus. The Family Fun Day we did just a couple Saturdays ago at, at the park or was that last Saturday? Last Saturday at the park of, of, of loving Creston Valley families and connecting with them in a really tangible way where they begin to go, hey, you know what? Maybe the church isn't such a bad thing. Or maybe that group of people aren't so scary. Or maybe there's something in that church that would be great for my kids. We create these bridge building events that can begin to help people step toward the church step toward us and discover Jesus' love for them. Things like the domestic violence weekend that we're hosting in October is another example of something coming up. Things like Christmas Eve services where we encourage you to invite your friends or maybe other special services or series that we do. Even simple things like our movie nights that happen on a monthly basis coming up at the end of the month. The Lego movie. Yeah. Um, Everything is awesome. And uh, so those kind of events help families connect, help people walk across that bridge and perhaps, just perhaps, by the grace of God, come into an environment where they begin to explore who Jesus is. But what are some of the other ways that you think we as the Erickson Covenant Church are helping people find Jesus? Your turn. What are some of the ways? The Christmas hampers. That's a ministerial thing and it's something we participate in as a church and multiple churches and absolutely, Ray, that is a critical way that we show the love and care of Jesus at Christmas through the hamper program. Yeah. Aristotle. Um, yes. Those who foster children. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. The senior services. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Caring for them. Absolutely. Yep. Other ways that we're helping. Janice. Family movie night. Exactly. Brilliant. Pickers lunch. Pickers lunch. Excellent. Thanks, Colin Brooke. Um, Just your work with some of the other pastors to unify the churches so that we have a protective practice with them. Excellent. So the work we're doing is some of us pastors and the ministerial to to be more unified. Absolutely. To, To get some of that junk that people can often point to that gets in the way of them ever seeing Jesus. Absolutely. Sherry. Yeah, so sponsorship, right? One of the things we've been doing with Covenant Kids Congo is sponsoring kids in the Congo through World Vision, which is a, a particular covenant thing, but, but sponsoring through Compassion, uh, you know, MCC. I mean, there's, there's lots of great organizations doing amazing stuff. That is one of the ways, absolutely. I, I, want, I want to encourage you as you're thinking this through, how, how can we do that more? How can we do that more effectively? How can we as a church grow in our ability to help others find Jesus? I had a conversation with uh, one, of our, one of our congregants a while ago where, where he, he said, you know, I, I actually 
would love to have more teaching, more equipping, more training on simply how to share my faith. Like, how do I actually talk about it? And there might be an example that, that in order for us to help people find Jesus, some of us have got to get our tongues untied, right? <laughs> I don't time saying that. <laughs> we have to be able to actually express this basic uh, story of Jesus. And, and some of us need more help and, uh, than others, but that might be a critical way that we do that as we move forward. And I think Alpha will also help us with that. Any other comments? Oh, sorry, Joanne. We want to talk about hard issues and just that we have this in our services where what everyone says. It's yeah. a congregationally driven church. You have a voice. Yeah. And I think that that's one of, one of the unique part of the covenant doctrine. Thanks, Joanne. Sure, someone. Providing practical care for people who are in need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the obvious one, I, I believe, this fall is, is by offering the Alpha program. So those of you who are willing to serve doing food or, or willing to pray, or, or there's a whole variety of things, as I already mentioned, but that's a critical way that I believe we're going to help people find Jesus this fall. Well, let's, let's just parse that a little more. So the next one is, how are we helping people follow Jesus? And I just want to remind you, um, this includes helping each other follow Jesus, you understand. Like, look around you. How are you helping everyone else follow Jesus? That, it includes that. It's not just those who are out there helping them find and follow Jesus, though it is that. It's also, how do we help each other follow Jesus? How are we challenging each other to continue to make those critical faith steps, to, to make those sacrifices in our lives, to, to actually grow in our experience of who God is. How are we doing that with each other? Well, a few of the ways that I have thought of were, were that we're serving, when we serve in community, according to our gifts, we are helping people follow Jesus. We're helping each other follow Jesus. When I bring my gifts to the mix, when you bring your gifts to the mix, when you finally say, I'm no longer going to sit dormant, and either use the excuse of I don't know what my spiritual gifts are or use another kind of excuse to sit dormant. You decide finally to say, no, that's no longer going to be true for me. I'm going to use the gifts God has given me and serve this community. That when you do that, you will be helping people. You'll be helping uh, your brothers and sisters. You'll be helping people you know actually follow Jesus. That's what will happen. In fact, it's the only way it can happen. It happens as we study the Bible together. As we say, you know what? We need to get into this uh, book and we need to dig in deep together. And, and not just so that we get our heads bigger or know, know more stuff. That, that's fine as far as that goes. But so that we take this Word of God and we apply it to our lives. So that we're asking as husbands or as wives, we're asking as fathers and as mothers, we're asking as, as, as friends and brothers and sisters, we're asking as, as managers or, 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 or business leaders, we're, we're asking as nurses or teachers, we're asking the question, how does this scripture shape my life? How do I respond to this word of Jesus? How can I actively follow him based on what we've said? And we do that together. I think that's critical as we study scripture together. It's one of the ways that we're helping each other follow Jesus, that we're helping people follow Jesus. I think it's beginning to happen more and more as we grow in our willingness to mentor people and be mentored. 
and our willingness to disciple people and be discipled, that we're beginning to understand that as Christians, we can't just do this solo thing. In fact, there's people around us who need you to step up and say, I'll meet with you every week for prayer and scripture study, or I'll just take a walk with you a couple times a month and we'll just talk about what God is doing in your life. That we're willing to take those sometimes bold, but sometimes quite simple steps to begin mentoring people and discipling people in community together. That we need to do that. I I know it is happening, but oh, it needs to happen so much more. It also, we will be helping people follow Jesus, helping each other follow Jesus as we, again, pray together. We've been talking to this one a bit more lately, of realizing that for some of us, there's a barrier. We feel shy to pray with each other. It's, it's, it's just true. I had a conversation this week with a number of men. Uh, why we're shy to pray with our wives? Why are we shy about that? Or why is there a shyness or an awkwardness around that? For some there were, and for some there was less. But the fact is, for some of us, even that most intimate relationship with your spouse, it can feel weird to pray together. I believe that one of the critical ways that we will help each other follow Jesus, one of the ways that we'll be helping others follow Jesus, is that we will be more willing to pray with one another. That will become more part of our culture, that when someone mentions something, we say, let's pray about it together. Something mentions a struggle, or something good, or just generic. We say, let's pray together about this. Where prayer becomes a more normal way of having this conversation with each other and with the God who is always present. So I believe that also will be critical. And then the last thing I thought of is that as we grow our small groups and our small group culture as a church, which we are just on the cusp of growing. There's always been some small groups around and they're sort of, you know, optional. You can sign up if you want. But for the most part, that hasn't become a dominant part of our, our church life. And we're recognizing, you are recognizing. It's just coming from almost everyone now. Recognizing that if we're really going to pursue Jesus together, if we're really going to help people find and follow Jesus, we cannot do without this smaller, more regular connection with people that we know and love and can pray with and know their lives. Basically a small group, however you want to cut it. And so I believe that we're growing that. There's more starting. We're going to be being more organizational around that, but also just encouraging people to do that. Alpha is going to spawn some of that because Alpha really is a collection of small groups. But I believe that this is one of the critical ways that we will be helping people follow Jesus. What else do you think are ways that we as a community, are helping people follow Jesus. Any other things? Sherry. Yes, the journey was a a pretty focused discipleship curriculum we did last year, and we're going to do it again, and it was huge for those who took that. Excellent. Thank you. Other, Other thoughts or ways that we are helping people follow Jesus as a church? Christy.
So Christy just highlighted the very important, I'm saying, repeating this so people can hear you, Christy, um, that we have to, relationships are everything. We have to be willing to invest that time, sacrifice that time, um, to be in each other's proximity so that we can actually grow in a relationship with each other and, and uh, deepen what God is doing. Absolutely. Other ways that we're helping people follow Jesus. Yes, so gathering Thursday morning is a regular uh, men's prayer breakfast. Absolutely. Yep. Just adding on to what Christy said, um, yeah, relationships, you can create a deep passageway and whatnot together, mm-hmm. but like even with God, one heart can be the gate to the heaven. Mm. The two hearts, um, a couple or whatnot, Double the power, double the glory, the fruits of the Spirit, the power that the enemy cannot get through. Yeah, absolutely. We're so much better together, more of what God wants and what can happen. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Cameron. Man, Cameron, you are just bang on. Did you hear that? One of the ways we help people follow Jesus is coffee time. Just, can I get an amen? Oh, yes. I agree. And particularly, Cameron, what you highlighted is very important. Willingness to stay afterwards and help clean up. Who likes, who likes that job? And what he made the link is so important that there's a link there. Washing the cups afterwards. Closing down the building and shutting off the lights because the pastor went home. Uh, it's, it's, you are helping people follow Jesus through that. Can I say you're also helping people find Jesus? Because sometimes if someone's finally got the guts to come here, it's after that, during coffee time, that they make that initial connection. They finally know your name. And they feel welcomed and they feel a bit of their story's been heard. And they might just might be willing to come back and try that again. It's the kind of beautiful connection we've got to make more and more. Well, I realize, whew, I better wrap up. Well, that's our target. That's our aim. That's our purpose. We want to help your neighbors, your friends, your workmates, your classmates find and follow Jesus. We're committed to this ministry of reconciliation that Jesus has given to us. And we're going to pursue that as a church with energy and with passion and with commitment. The key question, I think, for us, where it lands for us today, and I've already alluded to it, knowing why we exist, how are you going to serve? Knowing why we exist, how are you going to take the gifts God has given you, the passions God has given you, the energy, the time, the priorities, how are you going to live out this mission in your life this year? How are you going to do that? Now, I, I really believe this is critical. Sorry. I really believe this is critical that 
We can't just let this glide past us. Oh, that's why the Action Covenant Church exists, helping people find and follow Jesus, without doing that hard work of saying, now what's my part in that? Because guess what? If you call this church your home, you are the Action Covenant Church. We are the Action Covenant Church. There's nobody else in that sense. We are together. And so God has called and gifted and empowered us to pursue this together. So how are you going to do that this year? And I challenge you not to rest. In fact, I just pray God will not let you rest until you grapple with that question. How am I going to do that? How am I going to use my gifts to serve the body of Christ this year? The thing about skeet shooting is that when you hit this clay pigeon, it's very satisfying. Because it blows to smithereens, especially when you really nail it good. It just, just shatters, right? And the other night when we were shooting, you know, the guys would cheer and, and, uh, and, and you know, hurrah, hurrah, and, and, and you reload the gun and call, pull again, right? And then, and then you might miss. But, 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 but you know when you've hit the target. Well, I want to ask you in closing today, as a church, how will we know that we're hitting the target that God has given to us? How will we know that we're helping people find and follow Jesus as a community, as families, as individuals. I believe that we are going to know it by the life change that Jesus makes in the people around us. I believe that as a church, we're going to know that we're hitting the target as we see men come to know Jesus and be changed by the grace of God. Changed as men, changed as husbands, changed as fathers and friends, changed in the way that they work, the way that they play, the way that they think. I believe that we'll know we're hitting the target that God has given us as we watch women come to understand the love of Jesus for them and have their whole life shift as they reimagine themselves as new creations of Christ. I believe that we'll know we're hitting the target as we witness children and youth in our community, in our church, wake up to the fact that there's a Jesus who loves them, a Jesus who has known them since they were first conceived, a Jesus who has a purpose for their lives. And we'll call them into that purpose and called and has been calling them to follow Him and that we'll see this happening in our children and our youth. And God will bring more in children and youth and more families to us who will experience that. I believe that we'll know we're hitting the target as we experience a deepening community with each other. As we realize I'm getting to know my brother and my sister and it's challenging me. And my love for them is growing. And, and, and they're beginning to challenge me on areas of my life that no one has had the love to tell me about. They're beginning to point out areas of my life where Jesus needs to do some work that no one's had the gall, the boldness, the courage to say, have you ever recognized the way that you speak about your wife? The way that you tre- treat your kids? Have you ever noticed um, what you always tend to go to talk about, whether it's sex or money or or just distractions. As we begin to walk with each other and pray, as we begin to study God's Word together, as we begin to actually recalibrate our lives around the mission of Christ, that we'll experience this deepening community, and that will be one of the signs that we are hitting the target. That we'll know that we're hitting the target when we see our own church community grow and change. 
as Jesus adds to our numbers men and women and children who God, through His kindness expressed in Jesus, has brought them into our lives. It's the grace of Jesus that changes us. It's the grace of Jesus that is calling us and is empowering us for His mission. How we know that we're helping people find and follow Jesus? We're going to know it by the lives that Jesus is changing all around us. And we're going to know it by the change that Jesus is working in our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, we just ask very simply that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And that today each one of us would be compelled to join you in your mission of finding people who are lost, inviting them to follow you, and experiencing this grace and this power that changes lives. I pray that as a church, we would be focused like a laser beam on your call to us. And I pray that each one of us would take to heart the challenge of how we're going to serve. And we would do that with courage and with conviction and with passion, knowing why we're doing it. Because we're helping people find and follow you, Jesus. You, the one who makes all the difference. We ask this fall for courage, for blessing. We ask for a real insight into who you are and what you're doing. That by your Holy Spirit, we would see many lives transformed by your grace. Because you were at work. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Go in the Spirit's power this week knowing why God has called you to follow Him. Thank you for coming today. Please join us for coffee. God bless.